42! Blue, 42! Hut, hut, hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. We are back from a little break, taking off for Christmas and New Year's, but we are back in the full swing of things. I'm Nick Norris, and with me, my good friend and co-host, Justin Knight. Justin, how you doing? Oh, good morning. You know, I'm doing I'm doing swell. Got a nice little rain in the background. It's, it's a mm. beautiful Sunday morning. Beautiful Sunday morning in 2023. Happy New Year, everyone, by the way. Justin, what are your resolutions for 2023? Hmm. Oh man, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I maybe pick up a new uh, fan, ba- uh, new team. If Auburn continues yeah. to suck, okay. Is that for uh, football or also basketball? Um, just football. Okay. Yeah, Auburn had a good win uh, this weekend. We're going to talk about That's it. Sure yeah. Um, um. No, I don't really do New Year's re- resolutions. You know, I don't either. I feel like um. I feel like I have the same sort of goals every year. I guess, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't had a New Year's well, I mean, in a I mean, while. My thought process is, it's like, why why does the new year have to change anything? I can make my resolution to change anything any part of the year. It doesn't have to be at the yeah. new year. <laughs> why be? Why improve yourself when you can just stay the same, right? That's true, yeah. Well, why improve yourself when I can just stay a sucky person? Yeah, and I think you've uh, you've mastered that very well. Well, thanks. Takes yeah. a lot of skill. So, uh, one year I had a New Year's resolution of not drinking any sodas. I did that a few years, and uh, nice. Doesn't really change that much. Made me feel a little better, I guess. But um, <laughs> you tell somebody you're like, "Yeah, I went a whole year without drinking sodas." They're like, "All right, like, all right, cool. I can care less." <laughs> like, yeah, I guess that's not it's not a big deal, though, is it? So no. Anyway, speaking of big deals, we've got a lot of things we're going to talk about in this episode. We're going to talk about Alabama's win in the Sugar Bowl over Kansas State. We're going to preview the national championship game. We're going to talk a little basketball today. And um, we, we got a, we got a few things coming down the pike here. So if you don't mind, Justin, we'll just get started with the news. All right. Just days after his stunning on-field cardiac arrest, Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin has uh, been aware enough to post on Instagram that he is thankful for the love he's received and asked for continued prayers for a long road ahead. He said in his post, when you put real love out into the world, it comes back to you three times as much. Uh, the love has been overwhelming, but I'm thankful for every single person that prayed for me and reached out. If you know me, you know this only. Uh, this is only going to make me stronger on a long road. Keep praying for me. And then on Saturday, he added on Twitter that love is felt and extremely real, no matter race or religion, everybody coming together in prayer. Um, Hamlin is reportedly breathing on his own and speaking to family, physicians, and teammates. So, great news because that was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it was um, a strange situation. Uh, that it was he went into cardiac arrest after that hit, but glad they were able to um, revive him there on the field. The um, whole Bills team really giving them CPR. So, yeah, you know, thank them for saving really life. performing under pressure and. Uh, 
tense situation like that because you would have never expected as an athletic trainer to do something like that. So, right. um, yeah. yeah, so great to hear that he's doing well. And, then, you know, you just see the power of prayer and everybody together and praying to make sure he gets back to strong health. And so it's great. It's good to hear that he's speaking. And I guess what they say, he was sitting up. I don't, I don't know if he's got yeah, that or not. There's been some screenshots I've seen of him on FaceTime, up at alert, smiling, talking. So that's huge, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to go ahead and apologize if you can't tell already. My voice is it's barely here. This is the most I've heard my own voice in two weeks. I've had the flu. Symptoms just will not go away. Um, so this is the best we're gonna get, and it's probably gonna keep fading throughout the episode. I want to apologize for that, but. Doing the best I can do here, Justin. Yeah, everybody will tune in the first five seconds and be like, oh, gosh, oh, brother. Turn that's this sucker off. Well, that's a 96-year-old man talking. You <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hmm. may hear me clear my throat a couple of times. I apologize if so. Uh, but let's let's get into some basketball news. The number seven Crimson Tide eviscerated the Wildcats, 78-52. to Coleman Coliseum, uh, Alabama, finished with a 21-4 edge in a fast-point break and a 19-3 run over the end of the first half, getting at the second to pick up the most lopsided win over Kentucky in program history. Crimson Tide improved to 13-2, 3-0, and looked like the class of the SEC in the process. They are already one of just three SEC teams, still unbeaten in league play, look like a well-oiled machine under fourth-year coach Nate Oates. Now, we all know how Alabama basketball goes, so that's how it's going to stay. Probably not, but uh, you know, enjoy it while while us Alabama fans can. I'd say that's right, especially with uh, no national championship in football. So everybody's going to be right. swarming the basketball. These uh, so-called basketball fans, you know, they finally see they see Alabama being successful. And they're like, oh yeah, I've been a I've been an Alabama basketball fan my whole my life. Now, Justin, you know that I am a a big Alabama football fan. Sure. How many? If you had to guess, how many? Alabama basketball games have I watched in the past five years? Oh, gosh. I, I want to say zero, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe like one or two. I was going to say probably two. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to compl- I'm never going to claim I'm a big basketball fan. I'm not, I don't watch any team play basketball. I just, I'm not, I know you are. Um, yeah, I know you're not a huge basasketball fan. Yeah. Hmm. You know, college basketball, yeah, I, I, mean, I can watch. I can watch college basketball. It's pretty easy to watch. NBA, I have no interest. It's to me, it's kind of boring. It it was easier to watch when I was younger. It seemed like, yeah. but now I I just have no interest in NBA basketball. Interesting. Well, let's talk about your team, Auburn. Uh, say well, I'll say something to... first because I okay. I I hate to have to admit it, but yeah, Alabama. It's between really Alabama, and Tennessee, and the SEC right now, just two best teams. Um, because Tennessee's killing people as well. Right. Um, so that'll be a good game to see once they play later in the year. Alabama's got a big test coming up at Arkansas at, uh, I think, Bud Walton. You know, they have a great environment there up in Arkansas, so we'll see what happens there. But Alabama looks great. They've got a – it's kind of a situation Auburn was in last year. They've got a great true freshman that's going to be a top-five pick in the draft, um, 2023 draft. So we'll see. Yeah, it's, I mean – you know, Alabama had a pretty good start last year, and it kind of faded. But, um, you know, with this team, it looks like their defense is a lot better, which has always been the bugaboo of a Nate Oates team. It didn't seem like they play very good defense. Um, the offense looks very good. Um, 
I think if they can keep turnovers down and keep up good defensive play, I mean, they have a good chance for winning the uh, SEC regular season. Very good. Well, let's talk about your team, Auburn. Say that number 20's, 20 Auburn's win over number 13 Arkansas was much needed. Maybe an understatement. But following a too close for comfort win over Florida to open the SEC schedule on December 28th, <coughs> excuse me, and a disappointing loss to Georgia on Wednesday, Auburn needed a stellar effort to earn a win over the Razorbacks, who featured a roster filled with NBA talent. Using the crowd at Neville Arena as motivation, Auburn took care of Arkansas 72 to 59. Uh, big win. After a frustrating game against Georgia, Wendell Green Jr. rallied to lead Auburn in points. Johnny Broom continued his uh, consistent play by scoring 10 points and securing 10 rebounds for his third straight double-double. Jalen Williams again did his share by scoring 9 points. Alan Flanagan led all bench players with 18 points. Uh, did you watch this game? I'm guessing you did. Oh, I sure did. Um, yeah, probably their best performance of 40 minutes all year. I mean, they they led from the tip. They Arkansas never led at any point during the game. Um, the good, really, the strong point with this Auburn team is their defense, and the way they played last night, forcing turnovers um, and scoring off the turnovers. I think they had twenty plus points off turnovers, which is huge. Um, that's really key for Auburn, and you know, I think what's been the issue. We we know well, the issue that's been so far is their offense has been terrible. It was a little better last night, but it helped because they had great defensive play. Um, so this is what I expect of this team. They're very scrappy. They play hard. Didn't see that against Georgia. I don't really know what was going on in that game. Didn't seem something wasn't clicking. Seemed like a lot of the players could care less. Um, completely different. Of course, they play great at home. They've won, I think, 27 or 28 in a row at home. So, you know, they're, they're hard to beat at home, as we can see. So. You know, I, I hope this kickstarts something. I hope this kind of changes what we've seen so far because they've been very inconsistent, especially offensively. But I think what was good to see was that they shot thirty-three percent for three, which was a lot better from what they did and what they've done all season. Shot forty-three percent from the field, um, seventeen twenty-two from the free throw line, and then what killed Arkansas is they shot fifty-nine percent from the free throw line. So I'll take that any day, but. I think we got to get better rebounding the ball. They had way too many offensive rebounds. They at seventeen, we only had seven, and then they so they out rebounded us by thirteen. Um, but yeah, that, that was huge. We need that especially after that loss against Arkansas last season. And they stormed the court, so this was a great revenge game. And um, what, like I said, what I hope is that we see this moving forward every game. Great defensive play leads to great offensive play, and I think they can still have a pretty decent season. Very good. Well, we do have to switch gears here. We're going to go over to our next segment, our weird news of the week, mismanagers. Peculiar and wonderful and terrible and bad. Mismanagement and mystery and dreams you never had. Grizzly or grievous or beavers with cleavers. Audacity and specialty and used to drive you mad. It's a wonder any one of us can manage to survive in a world of, world of mismanagers. Okay, Justin, I thought since um, we haven't done a, a episode since last year, 2022, right before Christmas, that... Maybe we could close out that year with uh, some mismanagers looking at some of the weirdest stories of the year. I picked, I think, four or five here. 
I saw we go through some of these. These I, I tried to pick ones we haven't done on here. So um, let's go through some of these if you don't want to. So. Uh, the first one, it's raining cows. Uh, well, not quite, but some folks on Long Island were lucky enough to see the only remaining specimen of the historical phenomenon, the Great Kentucky Meat Shower. Have you ever heard about this, the Great Kentucky Meat Shower? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I actually have heard about this vaguely somewhere. Um, let me tell you a little bit about well, it. On March you 3rd. Have, you have the Frog Festival, so of course you've heard of the Meat Shower. Don't hate on Summits in Alabama's Frog Festival. It's a uh, it's a classic event every year on the first uh, Saturday in October. Uh, everyone comes out to the Frog Festival. Did you go last year? I did. Yeah. Have you never? Have I never mm-hmm. took you to the Frog Festival? No, you haven't. Well, we're gonna have to change that this year. You're gonna love it. Uh, uh, might as well check it out. Sounds like an <laughs> interesting event. It, there's a lot going. Get some uh, some steak on a stick, or now it's rib on a stick. They had to cut back on the prices. So they, you know, it still costs us the same amount, but instead of steak, it's now. <laughs> what about uh, they have any frog? You can buy live frogs. You can't buy. I, I don't think anyone sells frog legs there to eat. Okay, gotcha. Seems like a missed opportunity. Seems like they should. Now, that's what I'm saying. Like you would think you would sell some frog on a stick or something. Well, let me let's let's get away from the frog fest. Let's talk about the Great Kentucky Meat Shower. If you don't mind me saying so. Uh, on March third, eighteen seventy six, in Bath County, Kentucky, residents claimed that large pieces of meat, which looked like beef, suddenly fell from the sky in short periods between eleven a.m. and noon. A witness recalled the sky was perfectly clear at the time, and the falling meat felt like snowflakes. Uh, apparently, some of this was still left over, and some people got to uh, to check it out this year. The uh, the great what was left over the great Kentucky meat shower. So this is a yearly thing. No, this isn't like a planned thing. This is like one day people walked outside and meat was falling from the sky. Oh, so they were probably all high or something and seeing things. Well, that's the thing because this happened in the 1870s, but some of this is still left to right. You can still find some of this meat. Like these, some of these people had it. Um. Let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit more. I've got the Wikipedia page pulled up for the Kentucky Meat Shower. The Kentucky Meat Shower was. When did you say this happened? It originally happened in 1876, but uh, this year was the first time in like forever that somebody still had some of the meat and people got to see it. Okay, so um, great Great Kentucky Meat Shower, like I said, 1876, uh, from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. What appeared to be red chunks of red meat. Measured approximately two by two inches, with at least being one by four by four inches, fell from the sky in a 100 by 50 yard area in Bath County, Kentucky. There exist several explanations as to how this occurred and what the meat was, the most popular being the vulture theory, which a group of vultures regurgitated their meals after being startled into taking flight. The exact there type of go. meat was never identified, although various reports suggest there was beef, uh, beef, lamb, deer, bear, horse, or even human. Yeah, that, that makes the most sense, the vulture theory. I was thinking this was like a cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Someone was making it rain food. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, that's crazy, though. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Once and for all, America's school children are not being provided litter boxes, not even if they're dressing as cats. The 100% untrue story uh, circulated as a, per- a perversion of school's efforts to be inclusive refused to die in 2022. Super- school superintendents were put in a position they never imagined they'd be Explaining to the parents and others in their districts the claim was absurd, but it persisted with some politicians repeating the litter box claim as fact, only to apologize later. Do you remember when this happened? 
Uh, I do not. Yeah, so there was rumors all over the internet that like one school in particular was refusing to let a child use a litter box in the bathroom because they identified as a cat. The whole thing was fake. It was just a joke. But oh, several yeah. several parents believed it. Some politicians believed it. And um, <laughs> schools all over were having to explain, no, this isn't a thing we're having to deal with. Nobody is nobody is trying to use a litter box in the school. <laughs> um, so, um, very funny. If that ever did happen at that point, you know, you might as well just go ahead and get the news for me. End it right there. Oh, my God. <laughs> for you that's for, for you <laughs> not sure that's clear um, oh yeah that's in, for me yeah just to say the world's coming to an end yeah okay um and last story of the day an indian couple sued their son and daughter-in-law for six hundred and forty-three thousand dollars because they would not have a child oh i think i've heard about this one i think i think we may have actually done this one at the beginning of the year yeah, um, we could have but year. you know Let's do a little refresher. Numerous psychology books have been written about the relationship between parents and children, including the expectations parents put on their kids. But an Indian couple took this one step further when their son and wife didn't want to give them a grandchild by uh, they wanted after six years of marriage, only six years. too. that's not, that's not a ton of time Um, by suing them for $643,000 on the grounds of mental harassment. Mental harassment. Sanjay and Sadana uh, Prasad argued that they spent $257,000 to raise their son, Shrey Sagar, paid for his pilot training in the U.S., arranged his marriage, and financed the wedding in the hopes that Sagar and his wife would have a child shortly after, making Mr. and Mrs. Prasad happy grandparents. Uh, my son has been married for six years, but they are, not st- they are still not planning a baby. He said uh, his wife, he and his wife hoped they would have a grandchild to play with during retirement, but that plan hadn't oh come to fruition. Oh, my gosh. You know why they might not have had a baby? Because you arranged their marriage. You know, that might have something to do with it. Mm, yeah, maybe they just don't like each other. And like, I don't want yeah. to reproduce. Yeah. Uh, um, I've got one yeah, more here. It, it's a strange culture thing in different places. I don't think a lot of people understand that. It's completely yeah. different a lot of other countries. For sure. Um, one more story here, and we'll, we'll call it quits on mismanagers for today. A wild elephant trampled an Indian woman to death, then attacked her corpse at her funeral. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talking about one really day, hating somebody. Right. That's a vendetta. Uh, one day while drawing water in Odisha's, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Mayorban district, uh, 70-year-old Maya uh, Mermu's life was cut short by a wild elephant that appeared suddenly and trampled the old woman. Um, Mamru unfortunately succumbed to her injuries in the hospital and her grieving family began to prepare for her funeral. It's unclear how many people were invited to the funeral, but there was uh, certainly one uninvited guest, the very same elephant that had killed Mamru. With a larger herd in tow, the elephant rampaged her funeral, knocking her from her funeral pyre, trampling her body for a second time, tossing it away, and then running off. You got to wonder what this lady did to this elephant. Right. Marmu's family was eventually able to gather up the woman's dead body and get on with the ceremony, but the strange and tragic event left many people in a state of shock. We were terrified after witnessing the elephant herd on Thursday evening, one attendee said. We've never had such a ferocious elephant bunch. The elephants also damaged a number of houses in the area, but no one was able to ascertain why exactly this one elephant had it out for Maya Marmu. Crazy. Insane. And... A very vengeful elephant. They say elephants don't forget. So that's true. Not. They're very smart. Yeah, have great memory. Yeah. Maybe they have great smell too. If he was able to to hunt them out like that, uh, that's wild. 
Anyway, uh, we do have to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some football. We're going to get into the Alabama-Kansas uh, State game, and we're going to preview the national championship and uh, talk a little bit about some, some other little bits and bobs here and there. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Game Managers. I'm Nick Norris. With me is Justin Knight. Yep, I'm right here. We're going to talk a little football here coming up and um, going into the national championship. Actually, Justin, the SEC it's currently six and five in the postseason. Better, um, better. Yeah, I mean it's above five hundred for now, unless TCU uh, pulls off the upset, which I don't think we're anticipating, but would love to see. I would love to see it. Oh my yeah. word, that would be incredible. As would I. Uh, neither of us, much of Georgia fans. If you if you're new to the show, you may not know that. Anybody that's listened to more than one episode probably well aware of that. Um. Let's talk a little bit about some of these games. We're not going to go into detail here. We're just going to thought we'd go by through here, and I would say each game that's happened so far, and we can just say uh, good eh, or bad. Uh, let's start with this first one: uh, Florida, Oregon State. Oregon State winning thirty to three. Uh, bad. That's that's pretty bad. Uh, bad. Yeah. Not surprised that I, that this happened. Um, I knew yeah. Oregon State would win to this magnitude. No. Um, but yeah, bad because Florida season has been so inconsistent. I mean, you mm-hmm. beat Utah to start the year, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, look at this Florida team! They're going to make a run." And then they lose to Vanderbilt, and they also had some other. I don't know what their other questionable losses were, but they were bad. Yeah, and let's remember this: uh, this bowl game was mostly a shutout. They didn't get that field goal to the last quarter, so <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Um, Wake Forest in Missouri. Wake Forest winning twenty-seven to seventeen. Eh. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking Mizzou may make it close, maybe have a chance to win since they played some teams pretty close this year. Good defense, but yeah, not surprised, I guess. Um, Arkansas getting their seventh win over Kansas, fifty-five to fifty-three. Eh, good, you know, whatever. Yeah, they were up by what twenty points yeah. and let Kansas come back to make yeah. it uh, forced to overtime. So that part was yeah, pretty good. Yeah, that was fun. But uh, as for a win. Yeah, yeah, it's Kansas. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss losing to Texas Tech, 42 to 25. That was five straight losses for Ole Miss to end the year. Five straight. Kiffin, he should have just went ahead and left. And now he's stuck. Well, at least he got that big big pay raise. Not many coaches get a pay raise like that, dropping five in a row. No, they do not. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know how I would feel as an Ole Miss fan. You know, you start eight. They started. What was it eight and zero? Eight and zero. And they yeah. lost the LSU. And then I think they may have won one more after that, or maybe did they lose just five in a row once they lost the LSU? I don't remember, but I want to say they lost um, yeah, five in a row. It went downhill. Yeah. Um, Tennessee beating Clemson thirty-one to fourteen. Good. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Considering Tennessee hasn't had a major bowl win in a very long time, and um. I mean, they dominated Clemson with their backup, which, I mean, their backup's very good. But yeah. um, their defense looked very good, which I, was, I wasn't I was expecting them to play well because um, I thought Clemson was going to start 
having things click with their uh, freshman quarterback. But uh, they did a great job, a great win. Uh, Notre Dame beating South Carolina, forty-five to thirty-eight. Uh, meh, you know, a close game. They, they, yeah, South Carolina played closer. Uh, I mean, I, I figured Notre Dame would win outright, but um, I mean, it came down to the wire. So I guess good on them. <laughs> uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Georgia winning forty-two to forty-one. I mean, for the SEC, for Georgia, a very good win to come back. Um, but I'm gonna say bad because I didn't want them to win. Yeah, I didn't want them to win either. Ohio State should have won that game. They choked it away, you know, shocker. They were up, what, 10-plus in the fourth quarter, and they give up that lead. They can't do anything offensively. And that last drive was so frustrating to watch, too. Ohio State was moving it, and then they got to the – because it was a 50-yarder he kicked, so they were at, like, 33. Um, And they didn't do anything. They still had, like, 40 seconds, and they they couldn't go anywhere else. They couldn't move the ball. They started running the ball. And it was kind of questionable calls there. They could have tried to at least maybe run some better plays to get a little closer than a 50-yard kick. Yeah. Odd. Um, Iowa, Kentucky, Iowa winning 21 to nothing. Bad. Uh, bad. <laughs> that was ugly. That was probably the worst <laughs> offensive game you could have watched all year. That was miserable. Because Iowa had two pick sixes, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, that bad. was miserable. All points coming into the second quarter, too. So, um, most of this game was nothing. <laughs> That's um, terrible. Um, LSU beating Purdue 63-7. to Good. Taking care of business. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, that was uh, murder. Yeah. Mississippi State uh, getting that win for the late Mike Leach. Not did a 10 over Illinois. Good. Uh, never easy to win when you're missing such an integral part of your program. Um, so, you know, very yeah, nice. Sure. Yep, very good win. Okay, and the Alabama game, which we're actually going to talk about, Alabama destroying Kansas State 45-20 to 20, um, in the All-State Sugar Bowl. Um, of course, Bryce Young and um, Will Anderson coming back to play in this game. Bryce Young, 15-21, 321 yards, five touchdowns through the air, um, and um, just a, a very solid performance to end on for, for Bryce Young. Yeah, and I thought it was going to be a better game the way Kansas State started it, too, going up 10-0. I was like, all right, yeah. this should be a pretty decent game, and then they just completely fell apart. Wasn't the same team that played TCU? No, not at all. They um, they didn't want to be there, it seemed like, and they were very much overwhelmed. Yeah, which was surprising considering you know Kansas State's not your team that's going to a big bowl game all the time or playing a big team like Alabama. Yeah, um, they, I mean, they already had three it, losses. They weren't going to the playoff. So Yeah, so I don't know. I the standards are different for a lot of these college football teams nowadays when it comes to bowl games. It's not the same as it used to be um, yep. with the playoff now and now, especially when there's going to be 12 teams in a playoff. You, know, you might as well just say screw bowl games. It's not even going to be a thing anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's disappointing to see when you're in the Sugar Bowl as a, a team like Kansas State wasn't expected to do very well this year. And it just seems like you're like, eh, who cares that I'm here? Uh, one fun thing about this game, all five of – Bryce Young's touchdowns went to different receivers. Uh, Jermaine Burton had one. There you go. Um, Cameron Latou, Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, Kobe Princess, and Isaiah Bond all had touchdowns. So that's you know that's fun. Uh, There's also one on the ground by Jason McClellan. So good, uh, good solid end to the year, I think. Um, you know, making the best out of you know what some what most programs would consider a great situation to make a New Year's Six, but for Alabama, of course, like Georgia or Ohio State or Clemson. 
um, basically a consolation game and not always easy to get pumped up for these kind of, I guess, yep. nowadays, meaningless games when you've got the NFL draft coming up. Uh, but true. good, good, solid performance and um, should, you know, bold well for give a little, little bit of a recruiting boost. Not that Alabama needs it, but um, nope. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, um, <clears throat> if we don't have anything else to say about that, let's preview this national championship game, uh, the unlikely pairing. I guess uh, likely for one half, Georgia, nobody uh, didn't expect to see them. Everybody thought they'd be here, but yep. at least for the last half of the season. Um, TCU, though, not many people uh, thought they would make it. I know I was not necessarily one of them. If you would have told me that earlier in the season, definitely not. And I really didn't think they'd get past Michigan either, although they definitely did um, with you know somewhat ease. Um, so number three, TCU. Number one, Georgia. The ESPN matchup predictor gives Georgia a 72.9% chance of winning. Jeez. And um, <laughs> uh, Vegas says that Georgia is a 12.5-point favorite. Would you agree with those those two stats? Um, <clears throat> I think that's kind of high. I mean, yep. I know it's Georgia, but after just watching them against Ohio State, because honestly, I consider Ohio State and TCU of the same caliber. Um, mm-hmm. Two good offenses, and uh, their defense aren't very good. Um, so I think twelve and a half is a little high. I think I think it'll be a great game. Um, like I said, obviously, I want TCU to win. Do I think they'll win? More than likely, no. I mean, I thought the same thing against Michigan. I thought no way they win. Michigan's going to take care of business. It's going to be Michigan, Georgia, and Michigan will find a way to win the national championship. Boy, was I wrong. That sucks. I mean, I don't know why I keep trying to believe in this Michigan team while Harbaugh is the coach there. Um, But yeah, TCU, uh, I mean, their defense, even though they gave up a lot of points, they had two pick sixes um, against Michigan. That was huge. Um, I thought Duggan looked pretty good. Uh, They moved the ball pretty easily against a very good Michigan defense. Um, so I think that'll bold well for them going against Georgia. They, you know, they faced a very good defense in Michigan and they saw what Ohio state did to Georgia. If you can, if you're able to throw the ball, you can beat them or at least get close to beating them. Um, so it, and it'll be interesting to see how the run game does. Cause that TCU is a very good running back. If they can get the run game going then I think they'll have a good chance of winning, but yeah, I mean, the issue they're going to run into is TCU's defense has just been okay. But like I said, they looked pretty good against Michigan. Um, I mean, overall, I think Georgia's probably going to win by like three points, something like that. It'll be a field goal. Yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I expect it to be a good game. And like I said, I mean, I never thought TCU would have been the team to be playing Georgia, especially since they came to the season unranked. Um, right. So pretty cool to see. And um, But I'm rooting for them. I think that um, I agree. I, I do think Georgia will win. I think it'll be like a, anywhere from seven to nine point win, probably for Georgia. Um, <clears throat> but let's look at some of these some of these stats now. Take all this with a grain of salt, as we all know. Uh, TCU and Georgia schedules are not um, identical, you know, in strength or consistency, or you know. Um, but these are the team stats we have. So. Points per game, TCU uh, averages 41.1, Georgia 39.4. It's pretty even there, although, you know, obviously defenses are different. Points allowed per game, 25 for TCU, 12.8 for Georgia. Definitely in that favor, especially since Georgia is facing consistently more uh, intense competition. (laughs) Total yards per game, 474 for TCU, 494 for Georgia. And um, yards allowed, 385 for TCU, 292 for Georgia. So almost all of these (coughs) voting 
more uh, well, you know, well for Georgia outside, I guess, the points per game. But when you factor everything else in, um, especially the level of competition, definitely. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give uh, TCU the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they've had six or seven ranked wins this season. So, I mean, oh, they're yeah. slouch. And they've earned their spot. So, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, when you think of the Big 12, you don't think any defense being played, and that's true. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, Georgia only 12 points per game, and then they they just gave up 41 this past game to Ohio State. So, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what TCU can draw up and if they can they throw the ball pretty well with Duggan. They may have yeah. a good chance, but we'll see. You mentioned Duggan, 253 of 397 on the year, 3,546 yards, 32 touchdowns, only six picks. I compare that Stetson Bennett. It's also had a very good year, 292 uh, of 429. 3,823 yards, 23 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, so he's had 3,800 passing yards? Yes, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that um, a Georgia quarterback, at least since um, – I'm trying to think the last time, if, if they've had a 4,000-yard passer, my guess would it would have had to be uh, Murray or Stafford. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, they've just been such a run-dominating team that – Right. I would have never thought Bennett to be one to almost throw for 4,000 4, yards in a season. I know, yeah. And, I, you know, I guess he could get there. Uh, if they have a yeah, I mean, game. he could, more than likely will. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned um, TCU's running back Miller. He has 224 carries, 1,399 yards. He's, you know, almost certainly going to break 1,400 at least, uh, 17 touchdowns. And then McIntosh uh, for Georgia, 142 carries, 779 yards, uh, 10 touchdowns. That's crazy. I mean, you don't have a. There's not a Georgia rusher over a thousand yards. Apparently not. <clears throat> no. Wow. Yeah. So different. So I mean, it's like Georgia is adapting to everything as well. We'll. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see if this moves forward. I don't know who Georgia's quarterback is going to be next year. I don't know if they have a top recruit coming in or not. This is um. Perhaps this is the most surprising stat to me on ESPN, and it actually isn't a game stat. It is a price of a ticket to the national championship game. Usually, national championship tickets well over a thousand dollars. Sometimes breaking into two to uh, twenty five hundred dollars. Um, according to ESPN, your cheapest ticket though for uh, SoFi Stadium for this national championship three hundred and forty bucks. That's cheaper than most SEC championships. Yes, it's not terrible. Um, yeah. It's kind of surprising since they're playing in LA too at SoFi right. Stadium. I think I would. I would have thought, yeah, the cheapest would have been like close to a thousand, but um, I guess it's probably a crappy seat. They probably put you behind a post or something you can't even see. Probably so. Um, and also, we're dealing with you know we've seen this with Alabama and Clemson too. Those games just don't sell as well with fans because if you don't have the money, you just think, well, I'll just go to the next one. Um, well, and true. TCU doesn't have a massive fan base. I mean, they're in, they're in Texas. They obviously have a good fan base, but they don't have a a Georgia or Alabama sized fan base that encompasses an entire state, you know? So um, maybe that plays into it a little bit as well, but yeah, 340 bucks. That's, that's pretty good still for a national championship game. In my opinion. Yeah. We'll have to see what the uh, viewership is like uh, for this game as well. Cause uh, what was it? Georgia and Ohio state had the highest uh, watched semifinal game possibly. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was a big, they almost yeah. got to 30 million at one point. Yeah, which is wild because uh, we're in a you know in a, a sports watching kind of decline right now. Uh, not a massive one, but you know games aren't being watched as much as they were ten years ago. So, um, 
Yeah, and that's probably we've talked about it. That's probably mostly due to Ohio State um, and Georgia fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm saying the reason that we have such a decline right now is probably oh, because decline. we have such a saturation of the market every every day. It doesn't matter what time you turn on. There's some kind of game for some sport, and that's just not how it used to be. So it's a good sure. good problem to have. I enjoy it that way, but it does, I think, hurt some numbers um, for these bigger events sometimes. But um, anywho, Justin, we probably need to move on, though. Really quickly, though, let's give our last final predictions. Um, <clears throat> you think you think Georgia will win? What, do you, what would you say is the final score? Uh, Georgia, 38-35. I'll say I'll say Georgia as well, though I don't want it to be the case. I'll say Georgia. I like I like it being in the thirties. I'll say uh, thirty-two to twenty-four. There you go, Georgia. Okay, I won't remember those numbers. I've already forgot both of them. So very. Oh, good. that's fine. Uh, Justin, let's move on though. Um, it's time for your special segment. Let's do a little Professor Knight. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. What are we learning today, Professor? All right, well, the other day on January 7th, we can go back to 1789. We're going to do a little history. I love my history. It was the first U.S. presidential election. Oh, um, Congress sets January 7th, 1789 as the date by which states are required to choose electors for the country's first ever presidential election. A month later, on February 4th, George Washington was elected president, no surprise, by state electors and sworn into office on April 30th, 1789. So weird thing, wow. you know, now you're sworn into office in January and then right. this time you weren't sworn in until April on the first presidential election. And it took a month to count the votes, it seems. Yeah, I did. Yeah, with the uh, <laughs> with no technology at that point, everybody's just looking and saying, "Oh, this says George Washington." All right, one <laughs> hand count everything. <laughs> Brutal. All right, as it as it did in seventeen eighty nine, the United States still uses the electoral college system established by the U.S. Constitution, which today gives all American citizens over the age of eighteen the right to vote. Um, let's see. Of course, now you have political parties. You did not have really at the first presidential election. And Washington warned us against it. I sent you an article the other day, which, you know, it's still crazy to think, you know, almost 300 years ago. Yeah. How long has it been now? I mean, getting close to 300 years. Um, they were like, Hey, stay away from political parties. We didn't listen. And now we're paying the price. Yep. All right. True. Um, so I think it's just really talking about election. We all know how election works. Why don't you break it really down for us? But how does the election work? Who do we elect and how do we do it? <laughs> All right, I guess for anybody that's still uh, under the age of 18. Um, <laughs> so usually, you know, your political party, they nominate their uh, slate of electors at their state conventions or by mm-hmm. a vote of the party's central state committee. Which party we, should probably vote, oh, we probably should vote on the strongest and most handsome person running. I mean, that's what they correct? did for that's what they did for JFK. That's <laughs> true. Let's be true. honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, it was him. You're going to vote for JFK after seeing him on a televised debate, or a sweaty uh, Richard Nixon. Who are you going to vote for? Mm, not, not the sweaty yeah. one. Not the tricky dick. Yeah, not the sweaty one. Yeah, the one that was wearing makeup, which was JFK. Yeah. Uh, so your election day is the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. 
uh, electors from the party that gets the most popular votes are elected in a winner-take-all system with the exception of Maine and Nebraska, which allocate electors pro, uh, proportionally. And, or, and then, of course, the you, you got to get 270. Huh? I said proportionally, you say. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I didn't really... I mean, I I may have heard it before, but I didn't really ever think about it for Maine and Nebraska because who cares about Maine and Nebraska? Justin, I'm, um, I'm shutting this down. <laughs> <laughs> this is <enough>. Why? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we talking about? We're talking about the presidency. You need 270 electoral votes. It's not, an, it's not an election yet. There's nobody, <laughs> there's nobody running for the presidency right now. I know, but I'm just uh, recapping this because the other day we had the first U.S. presidential okay. election. All right, continue. I was just letting you know. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we get into that. <laughs> You know what my favorite uh, conspiracy theory is regarding JFK? What's that? Um, I saw this online. It's that he wasn't shot in the head. His head just did that. Wait, what did you say? His head just did that? Yeah, he just did it on his own. <laughs> he wasn't oh, shot. He, actually, he, he wasn't shot. His head just <laughs> fell. His head just exploded. Yeah. Oh, it just exploded. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of theories out there. Um, what's interesting, so, I don't know. I know this, we're still kind of getting off topic here, but we're just using up some time real quick. But, um, you know, um, what's his name? Oswald. Was that his name? Um, that supposedly shot JFK. Oh, yeah. He had um, tried to kill a high-ranking um, military official who was running for, um, uh, I guess, Congress somewhere oh, in Texas. Him. He had tried to kill him, maybe it was a few years before this, and um, he had set up in a bush. He had, had his target line. The, the uh, target, the high-ranking official, was just sitting in his uh, house by a window, and um, he missed. And um, makes you wonder. I think this kind of goes to another theory that I mean, this guy, no way he would have shot JFK. Would have been able to hit him if he couldn't even hit this clear target that wasn't very far away. You know, years ago, did he really do this, or did someone else shoot him? And they just threw him in as a scapegoat. But um, I thought that was interesting that that actually happened, and I mean maybe he, you know, was able to become a better sharpshooter. But yeah, there's a lot of interesting theories that go around the JFK assassination. It's and didn't they just release something too? Like yeah, the, so a uh, lot of the um, a lot of the files that were hidden from the public have been recently released. Although any of them apparently with any um, significance are being held onto until like May. And then uh, it's up to the president if those should be released or if I they tell you what, I mean, yeah, I mean, the fact that you can't release everything just already shows something was a little off to, yeah, to like me. 60 years later. Yeah, you still can. Yeah, you just now can release something and you're still holding back some information. Like, come on. That's, you can't that's, tell us yeah. what happened. I mean, yeah, yeah, everybody weird. involved is dead. So what are we, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the fact that your supposed assassin is then killed a few days later by somebody, and they're just like, oh, he was a, a deranged individual who was upset about assassination. Possibly, but still a little weird. We never even got to hear this guy talk about what happened. Right. Very convenient. I think so. Yeah, very well, convenient. Very good. Man, we should that, do a history show. Man, forget sports. Let's go on to history. <laughs> Let's just become conspiracy theorists. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we should say this would be a good time to say we are going to start doing occasionally our our sports history show again, uh, ranked. 
most iconic years in sports history. That always starts up in the off season. It will not be a weekly thing, but I think we're talking no, about no, no, no. Yeah, we're talking about maybe once a month. So um, we'll be sure to keep you updated on that as well. Yeah, so. once a month, once every two months, if it happens. You yeah, know, it's just one of those things. You know, we'll throw it together because how many of those episodes have we done? We've done a bunch. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how many, but uh, a good amount. Big back catalog there. If you'd like to look that up, rank the most iconic no, years in sports history. Plenty to choose from. Uh, yeah, yeah, very much so. So we'll get started back on that. There's also going to be, we're not going to get into it now. There's going to be some changes on this show um, in the new year. We're going to talk more about that next week after we have a more solid outline for that. But um, yeah, keep uh, keep that in mind and come back next week to hear a little bit about that. But uh, we do need to move on to a commercial break. We will be right back. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Game Managers Podcast, where we are about to give out the most prestigious awards in the sports world, the TG Gimmies. I'm Nick Norris. With me is Justin Knight. Oh, good evening. Now, Justin, I have let you take over the awards for this week because I was running a little behind. I do have one award for us, but I'll save that for a little bit. Do you like to uh, to get us started off here? Yeah, once the music starts, stop playing in the background, I'll go. Right. Lovely. Okay, just a second. Is it still playing for you? No, it stopped. I just wanted okay. to hold it for a second. Like, I think it's I, over. I can, okay. I can do my award if I need to while you're waiting. Yeah, you go ahead since you didn't okay. do anything. So go ahead and get your award. Okay. Well, uh, my award is for the funniest mix-up so far of the new year. Uh, and this award goes to the Masters who sent an invite to the wrong Scott Stallings. Did you hear about this? I did. I, if I was that other Scott Stallings, I would have kept it and just tried to show up and be like, hey, got my invitation. I'm ready. <laughs> what a big mistake. What a big mix-up. That's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm see, definitely holding on to that. I don't know how you screw that up. You're the master sending out a very important invitation yeah. to uh, players. And I mean, you would think you'd have this down to, uh, I mean, like perfection, sending out invitations and still yeah, gets so. to another Scott Stallings. But since he, you know, said something about it, I hope he gets uh, some passes to the masters for the yeah, whole weekend. For sure. Yeah. Hopefully so. So very good. Very funny. Uh, let's see. My award is just, um, best team i guess go to really the bills team and doing a good job of getting hamlin to uh the er and you know really performing cpr on them so i mean i don't think we'll ever see anything like that again hopefully not during a live televised game um very strange because i mean when he went down and you kind of saw people's reactions it was like i don't think this guy was breathing at one point so yeah Pretty crazy, but um, great job by the Bills athletic trainers for giving CPR and by the doctors there. So very, Definitely. very awesome. Definitely. All right. Um, so let me uh, fill in for uh, Nicholas here. So um, we'll start with best of the week. And that goes to the Jaguars, oh, yeah. who were at 1.4 and 8, not even looking like playoffs were a chance, and mm-hmm. then won five in a row to finish 9 and 8 and win the AFC South. They're going to the playoffs, number four seed. Right. Way to go, Urban Jaguars. Meyer's Great face. turnaround. Urban Meyer's face. So very yeah, oh, well, obviously he was the issue. I mean, look at Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He's playing very well. Doug Peterson, we know, is a great coach because he led the Eagles to a Super Bowl. 
Just right. how a, a simple coaching change can completely change everything. So good for them. And then bust of the week, my favorite, Harbaugh and Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> Once again, yep. proving to be a huge disappointment after having an incredible regular season going undefeated. Because I don't believe they were undefeated last year going into the semifinals, were they? No. No, they had a loss. I think they had a loss. Yeah. Um, so Michigan, this season, they, they looked great. They, I, yeah, I don't remember. Um, they just killed Ohio State on the road. They won the Big Ten pretty convincingly against Purdue. And it's like, okay, this could be their year. They're going to win a national championship. And then what do you know? Harbaugh just doesn't have his team ready to play. He drops mm. a big old – and I should have known from the start. Do you remember their, their first drive? They moved it down the field. They got inside 10-yard lines, fourth and goal. I think they're on like the two- or three-yard line, fourth and goal. They go for it. They run a stupid trick play that loses eight yards. At yep. that point, I should have known. I was like, this game's over. This idiot can't call a simple run play on the two right. or three Why yard line. Or just a simple play action Why you doing to get when your tight ends open. Yeah. That's what that's what ends up being called. And I was like, I, it just doesn't make any sense. So I, no. I'm tired of seeing him. I'm tired of him having these good years, two years in a row, and you can't do anything with it. I hope he just goes to the NFL so I don't have to see him in college anymore. He'll, he'll end up there eventually. It will happen. So. So. All right. Oh, very good. Thank you, Justin, for filling in for me for there. I don't think my voice could have handled it. So very good. Um, no, it's it start. It's really starting to fade here in the last final minutes. So uh, let's very quickly go to our last segment of the day. Listener letters. Go getters, write letters. We're the ones who read them. Please don't stop writing in to fill the time we need them. We are reading letters. The letters wrote by you. We are reading letters, the letters wrote by you. If you'd like to write us a letter, you can do so by emailing us at gamemanagerspod at gmail.com or finding us on social media at TGMPod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us, send us a message there. This one comes from Daryl. He's wrote in a few times, but it's been a while since we heard from you, Daryl. Nice to hear from you. What was your favorite game Darryl. of 2022? Good question. Um, Justin, while you're thinking about it, I, I, I went ahead and thought about mine. Game. Um, I would have to say that mine has to be App State beating Texas A&M 17 to 14. Uh, either that, because that was funny, or um, maybe Mississippi State getting the win over Ole Miss for Mike Leach's last mm. game uh, was a big one too. Yeah, so. that was a big one. Um, yeah. Well, there's no Auburn games that were my favorite, so we can go ahead and no. count all those out. Yeah. Um, man, I'm trying to think of some games I watched this year. I mean, uh, all I can think of right now are the semifinal games. Those were great. Um, yeah. The best semifinal games we've had so far since they created the playoff. Um, sure. Yeah. Perfect matchup, um, both games. But other than that, gosh, I'm trying to think. Alabama-Tennessee game was very entertaining. I enjoyed that was, watching yeah, that one. Objectively, it's a um, great game, uh, even though I was very upset with the outcome. Objectively. Yeah. Great game. yeah. Um, that was a great game. So I, I would, I'd probably say that one from what – what I can recall, and then the the TCU Baylor game, probably the best ending. That uh, the way they ran that one play, and they had no timeouts. I think they just did a run play with 14 seconds. They had to rush the field goal team onto the field, and then absolute perfection. He nailed it right down the middle. It was, yeah. it was <laughs> I'd never seen something just so smooth with so little time and then so much pressure 
a team, you know, the special teams coming on the field, and it's just perfect. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay, and our last letter of the day. Sarah asks, who is your way too early prediction for the 2023 National Champions? I guess this means 2023-2024 season. Yeah. Uh, her pick is LSU. So, Whoa. Um, yeah. Very, very uh, bold. Um, it won't be LSU with uh, Daniels at quarterback, even though he showed some bright spots. He's not yeah. going to be the quarterback to lead you to a national championship. Probably not. Um, man, early predictions. I mean, the safe bet is Georgia or Alabama. Georgia going on a three-peat if they win this year. Very unlikely. That would be crazy. Yeah, um, so, uh, probably not. You know, I, I want to say Cle- lot, I want to say Clemson finally – put something yep. together it's been a few years because they have the quarterback to do it finally um i think if they can kind of build up on the defensive side of the ball i think they could have a chance to they'll be back in the playoff i think yeah um winning all i don't know that would be more like a dark horse to win it all but yeah i mean my safe bet would have to be um georgia at this point just because they keep reloading i mean yeah. it's the new alabama at this point and it feels um, like it feels like it's going to be a, a a new year for a lot of teams. I mean, Alabama losing a lot of their players. Georgia doing the same with their, you know, obviously their quarterback's forty two years old. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, know, I mean, the, <laughs> the interesting thing about Alabama, um, I know people are still going to put them. Some are going to put them as a favorite, but you know, losing Bryce Young yeah. is such a big loss. I mean, he's. I mean, I, I guess you got to say he's probably the best quarterback. I know he never won national championship as a starter, but right. I mean, he's he had to be the best quarterback Alabama's had. Um, so replacing that will be tough. I mean, I know it, yeah. it's always easy when you recruit as well as Alabama, but I, I'm curious to see how well they did replacing, you know, replacing him. And then you know you have to replace some guys defensive wise. And uh, Gibbs, I thought was a great running back. You got to replace him, but. Yep. Yeah, we'll see how they do. If see if they're able to have a bounce back year. Under Saban, they haven't went more than three years without winning one, so this would be that's that true third year. So, I'll so if they don't Alabama, win it this third year, what what do people start saying? Can you actually say the Alabama dynasty is dead? Is that fair? I I, I personally I don't think so. I don't think it is until I'd say like there's a five year minimum on that. Five year gap, you yeah. don't win one. It's like okay, we can stop talking about this Alabama yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, even if though they didn't win one, they were just at the national championship, you know. So, oh yeah, um, I mean, yeah, yeah they still made it. They just lost. It counts for something, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, very good. Well, thank you all for your letters. Remember to message us gamemanagerspod at gmail.com or at tgmpod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That is all the time we have for today, and my voice is about gone. Um, so we're gonna call it here. But Justin, anything uh, to close out? I I can't say anything else. I'm done. Yeah, I was about to say you need to go and stop. I can't stand it. Um, thank you for the questions. Thank you for everybody listening. Um, hey, I hope y'all had a great Christmas, great New Year, and um, it's gonna be a great 2023, especially for us Auburn fans. I can feel it, even though I still don't like Freeze as a coach, <laughs> but maybe I'll have to get over it at some point. I don't know, but hey, let's keep hoping basketball has a good year. Baseball got that to look forward to. Gymnastics, a lot of great things to look forward to for Auburn sports, but hey. Y'all are awesome, and as always, we're going anyways. Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! Thank you for listening to The Game Managers. 
Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod. Until next week, goodbye, adios, and sayonara. Sayonara.